Well, this week was certainly unusual. We've seen a strange virus climbing in the number of people that it has infected. Last I heard, it was up to 83,000 people worldwide. The stock market has had one of the worst weeks of the century. And some people had a birthday yesterday for the first time since 2016. Children of God have, have the privilege of prayer, and it's often during unique circumstances, life-altering situations, foundational transformations, that our prayers become more focused, more intentional, and even more biblical. Our prayers do a good job of revealing the priorities of our hearts, of our minds, what's going on inside. Our prayers give us opportunity to respond to those life-altering situations, those things that shake up our life. Our prayers give us a an opportunity to respond to those situations. And what is more life-altering, and what is more foundationally transformational than being born again? It's time for us to take up another study in the book of Romans. So if you have not located that yet, would you please find the book of Romans? It's page 791 of the copy of the scriptures there in the pew. Romans is part of the second half of the Bible. It's part of the Christian New Testament. And the Apostle Paul was the human writer of this letter. He was writing from Corinth to Christians who are in Rome. Now he hasn't yet met these Christians but he hopes to visit them on his way to do more evangelistic work in the land of Spain. This church to which he writes is made up of both Jews and Gentiles, and he's writing to them about the undeserved, the unmatched, the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul uses the first 17 verses in chapter 1 to set the priority of the gospel. So we've we've seen that the, the book of Romans is kind of divided up into to several different sections, and we're considering for the beginning of our series here, the first section, the priority of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've seen, first of all, that the, 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 gospel, the, the priority of the gospel is seen that it's God's work. It's His work in us. Last week we noted that the, the gospel prioritized life has Christ at its center, that Jesus is at the center of a life prioritized by the gospel. That means Jesus, the one who took on flesh. Jesus, the one who was appointed to be the Son of God in power. Appointed so, declared so by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the one to whom we belong. We have a place with God. The one through whom we know that we are loved by God and called to be saints. Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the center of a gospel prioritized life. In the next verses, in verses 8 through 13, we see the prayers of a gospel prioritized life. We're going to look at part one today and then at part two next week. So would you please follow along as we read from Romans chapter number one and consider the gospel as a priority in our life. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God, which he has promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, 
Jesus Christ our Lord, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for His name, among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing, I mention you, make mention of you always in my prayers, making a request, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end that ye may be established, encouraged, built up. That is, that I may be comfort, that, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both of you and of me. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I have purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, I was hindered, that I might have, I, I desired to come to you that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you also that are at Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. A life that prioritizes the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a magic formula that we can follow to manufacture a gospel-prioritized life. A gospel-prioritized life is first the work of God. He does a work in us. A gospel-prioritized life has Jesus Christ at the center of it. And a gospel, a life that is prioritized by the gospel, is a life that gives evidence by its prayers. It's a life that is praying for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, this idea of, of prayers reflecting the priority of our gospel, of our gospel of, of the gospel in our life, that idea, that third idea, that, that prayers that reflect our, our, the, uh, the, the gospel being prioritized in our life, that's factual, just like the, the center of our life being Christ, and just like it being a work of God. But this third idea of prayers being an evidence of, of the gospel being a priority in our life is also an action item. It's something that we can develop. It's something that we can foster. It's something that we can practice. You are called to foster a prayer life that reflects the priority of the gospel in your life. James Montgomery Boyce said it this way, A strong prayer life is not the least bit inconsistent with vigorous and fervent service for the Lord. The heartbeats of those who know God through faith in Christ is to make Him known in the world. Is that your heartbeat? Do you pray to that end? 
If you've gathered here this morning and not been born again yet, you're an unbeliever, you're a non-Christian. I want you to know that the God of the Bible is knowable. He wants you to trust His Son. He wants you to pray to Him and enjoy the rest that He, the comfort that He, the hope that only He can provide. This morning we're going to consider the prayers of a gospel-prioritized life. And we're going to identify four characteristics of, of prayer in these, in these verses. We're going to identify two today, and then Lord willing, when we gather next week, we will gather uh, two more. Praying with thanksgiving for the gospel. Paul was praying with thanksgiving for the gospel. Look at verse, for gospel faith. Look at verse number eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, here it is, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. He was praying with thanksgiving for gospel faith. He says, first of all, one of the most important things for Paul to communicate to these Roman Christians was his thankfulness for their faith in this good news. He's already explained to them that he's writing about God's gospel. He's already explained to them that Jesus is, needs to be at the center of their life. And then he says, first, he communicates the priority of the gospel. Paul's thankfulness was based on the richness of his fellowship with Jesus Christ. He says, first of all, I thank God through Jesus Christ. His relationship with Christ was full. It was healthy. It was rich. And it's on that foundation that the apostle gives thanks. He's thankful simply, fundamentally, foundationally, that they're Christians, that they have faith in Jesus Christ. It stands to us as a reminder of first importance of, of giving thanks for the faith of people, that the people that they have faith in Jesus Christ. Now, why is such a big deal? Why is this the very first thing that Paul addresses in his prayer? It's because faith is not the norm. Faith is not the default of humanity. It's a big deal to give thanks for, for the faith that people have in Jesus Christ. It's a big deal because faith is not the norm. It's, it's, it's a big deal because unbelief, lack of faith, is rampant. Was not that the problem that Israel had all throughout the Old Testament? Each of us each began in unbelief. None of us is righteous, the Bible says. We aren't born into this world uh, in righteousness, so we're born into this world in need of righteousness. But not only is unbelief rampant, so also is false faith. In other words, in the world, there exists a lot of faith in something or someone else other than Jesus Christ. It's not faith in some subjective experience. It's not faith that you are able to produce in your own efforts. It's a faith that is at, at work in you by God. Uh, Ephesians 2 tells us that we are saved by God's grace through faith, and it's not our own doing, it is the gift of God. God gives us faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. This was a faith that Paul is thankful for. It's a faith that God worked in them. Friends, it's a big deal anytime God turns someone's loyalty towards Himself. It's a big deal for someone to have faith because, because man is stubborn in his rebellion against God. It's a big deal for someone to have faith because we are in love with self when we enter into this world. 
It's a big deal for someone to have faith in Christ because God's enemy is so strong, walking about like a roaring lion, sinking whom he may devour. It's a big deal for someone to have faith in Jesus Christ because it means that Almighty God is fundamentally transforming them into new creatures. Why are we celebrating faith? Because God has turned our hearts from rebellion against Him to reliance upon Him. Paul gives thanks for their genuine faith in Jesus Christ. Next, Paul says that their faith was proclaimed in all the world. Now, he's speaking hyperbolically. He's not saying that everybody in the world knew about their faith. 20 years ago, I began working in a, in a national call center for UPS, the, the brown trucks that deliver the packages. It was my job uh, during my days uh, uh, during seminary. And I managed one of the, the teams responsible for providing customer service to UPS's uh, top accounts. And we had a, a big room with a gazillion workstations. And, and on my desk, I had this picture of me and my wife from our, our, from our wedding day. Oh, yeah. And I remember, I remember one day uh, Carolyn walked by and she said, wow, your wife is so beautiful. And I said, well, what did you expect? Take a look at this. <laughs> Not really. I intentionally placed that photo in a conspicuous spot. I wanted the whole building to know that I was married to a woman that I adored. I could say that everyone eventually knew that I was happily married. It was proclaimed in the, in the building. But I wouldn't say that all 700 and whatever employees in that building saw the picture. I wouldn't say that all of them knew, uh, had seen that. But they all knew they had, there was a reputation that I was happily married. That's what Paul is doing here. Every person in the world didn't know about the Christians in Rome. But the faith of these Christians was known in the world in which they knew. In other words, their faith had made an impact. They had a reputation. Specifically, that people in, Rome, in the Roman capital had bowed the knee to the Lord Jesus is something that would be widely known and, and something that would be spread abroad. That was a big deal. Rome was not known to be a location filled with God-fearing people. But these Roman Christians were now bowing to Jesus. There were Jews and Gentiles in Rome who had been gloriously rescued from their trust in self and who had instead placed their faith in this one, this promised one who had come and lived and died and rose again. And Paul tells these Christians as he writes to them that their reputation is becoming known abroad. He gives thanks that their testimony is that they have genuine faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. What a glorious thing for a church to be known by people who have genuine saving faith in Jesus Christ alone. How wonderful not to be known as the church with beautiful stained glass windows or to be known as a church with a particular specific style of worship music or to be known as a church with the most comfortable seats in the auditorium or to be known as a church that uses a specific Bible translation or to be known even as the friendliest church. Rather, first and foremost, this group of believers was known for their faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
brothers and sisters of Harvest Bible Church, let us be reminded, let us even be rebuked this morning. Our testimony in our community matters. How we interact with our neighbors, it matters. What we post to social media matters. How we prioritize our life matters. And let us guard against the practice of making secondary issues primary issues. Let us be diligent to keep the main thing the main thing. And by God's grace, let us be known first and foremost as a group of people that have faith in Jesus Christ. The Greek word that Paul uses here for, for thanks, he says in verse number 8, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. That word is Eucharisto, which is, is where the church gets the term Eucharist, talking about the Lord's Supper. It's obvious. We, 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 we came to the table this morning, and it was even prayed as we, we gave thanks, that as we come to the table, there's an attitude of thanksgiving that shapes, that molds our worship. Paul has that attitude with the Romans. He is profoundly thankful for what God has done in them through Christ. He's celebrating the work of God through his son Jesus and the lives of these Jews and Gentiles in Rome. So, because it's such a supernatural work of God, because it is due to nothing less than the sheer grace of God, because it points to the center or the object of our faith, Jesus Christ, we also should give thanks for it. Give thanks for the faith that you see in other individuals. Do you struggle to know how to pray for everyone in your connection group? Begin by giving thanks that so-and-so has faith in Jesus Christ. Sure, some Christians may differ from you politically, but if they have genuine faith in Jesus, give thanks. They may disagree with you on when the millennial rule of Christ started or, or will start, but if they have genuine faith, give thanks. This is one reason that we pray for other churches in our worship service. We want to celebrate the one who has given faith to so many individuals in Lancaster County. This is also a good time to caution ourselves against assuming faith, especially in Lancaster. So many religious people, so many people of faith, that can be a rich blessing, but it could also potentially be a label for people to hide behind when genuine faith is not actually present. Be reminded that, that our kids don't enter into life with, faith, with gospel faith. You can't force it on them. It's got to be their faith. But then when you see that faith, give thanks for it. And while we pray with thanksgiving for gospel faith in others, let's take the reminder, take time to be reminded to pray for more people to have gospel faith. Your kids who do not have that yet. Your neighbors. And those listed on the prayer guide that we, we publish every Wednesday night for our prayer service. On, Tuesday, on this Tuesday afternoon, I have, a, I have a call with gospel workers in Indonesia at 9 o'clock, with Casablanca at 10 o'clock, and with Spain at 11.30. And I'm already giving thanks that those people are, have gospel faith and that those people are concerned that people in their communities and their neighborhoods and their areas of the world, their regions, will also have faith in Jesus Christ. Is that your heartbeat? Do you give thanks for others' faith in Christ? One of the things that I've learned over the years of pastoring and something that I try to practice as I pray for the congregation each week is this. I need to spend more time praying with thanksgiving 
about the miraculous, eternally effective transformation that God has done in the people of this congregation. I need to spend more time thanking God for that than I do praying about God changing these same people to line up with my philosophy of ministry or my preferences on items of Christian liberty or my interpretations of Scripture or any other secondary matter. Let's pray in that way. Let's pray uh, giving thanks for the main thing that's going on in someone's life. Let's rejoice over what God has done in rescuing others from the eternal judgment that they deserve. The heartbeats of those who know God through faith in Christ is to make Him known in the world. Is that your heartbeat? So Paul was, first of all, praying with thanksgiving for gospel faith. Secondly, we see that Paul was praying with diligence for gospel fellowship. Look at verse number 9. For God is my witness, strong language, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing diligence, I make mention of you always diligence in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Paul is so serious about his desire for fellowship with him that he takes a vow. He says, for God is my witness. There can be times when that can be an acceptable action, like when you go to court as a, and testify as a witness. The main point here is how serious Paul is about praying for fellowship. He desired it for them and with them. He says, uh, he, I give thanks I, for God is my witness whom I serve. Paul was taking up with serving the gospel. You remember back to verse number one, that was his, his first self-identified uh, description of himself, that he was a servant of God. And then he says, he ser who I serve with my spirits. This is talking about the innermost person, his, his deepest person. The inward part of, of Paul was to be the instrument of his service. The gospel of God's Son is, is the sphere of his ministry. There is no doubt that Paul was juggling life and balancing so many responsibilities, but his inward part, his spirit, was drawn, was taken up with. It was focused on the gospel. He says so much so that he's prayed without ceasing. He continues in prayer regularly, over and over and over again. Paul had been praying for years that he would be able to visit his brothers and sisters in Rome. Years is a long time. Years means that it was not the microwave version of praying. We're talking about 365, 24-hour days in a row on repeats. He was praying over and over and over again for the same thing. You know what? That's really hard to do without getting your, priori without getting your priorities mixed up, isn't it? This week I received an email from a mom whose son and daughter-in-law and their four children, grand four grandchildren, uh, serve in China as gospel workers. They've been quarantined in their small apartment for a couple of weeks now and have more to go. Can you imagine how many times this mom has prayed for her son in China? Praying repeatedly over and over and over. Praying without ceasing for God to do something. Christian, have you prayed about something for years? You understand the struggle, don't you? When we have desires, sometimes we want something. We want it so badly that we don't care what God wants, if God wants us to have it or not. We just want it. 
Paul was not only praying without ceasing, though, he's also praying in accordance with God's will. The apostle had not gone rogue. Rather, he was obsessed with doing the will of God. That mom of the, pers- uh, of the person in China who is serving as a gospel proclaimer, she told me that her prayers for, are repeated for her son in China, but she also told me she's praying for the salvation of the contacts that her son has in China. You know what she's doing? She's not only praying without ceasing, she's praying in accordance with God's will. Paul does that. He's praying for gospel fellowship as part of God's will for his children. When you don't know how to pray for a brother or sister in Christ, pray for them to have gospel fellowship. I often pray for you to have these kind of relationships that would encourage you and build you up in your walk with God. Friends, gospel fellowship is the will of God for his children. God created the world. God created the world for for rich, deep, and close relationships. Think of all the way back to to creation. God created the whole world with with communal life in mind. He, He put these animals on land. And he put these animals in the sky. And he put these, this group of animals into the sea. Different kinds of animals. Different kinds of creatures. And after each time, God looked at what he had created. And he said, that is good. This is a good thing. And at the climax of creation, God created humanity. God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into him the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And at this point, God doesn't make that same pronouncements of This is good. Instead, God tells us that it is not good that man should be alone. Even before the fall of man and before sin entered into the world, there was this issue of solitude, isolation. God said it was not good for man to be alone. Why? Because God made man in his image. And God is the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We sang of it this morning. And God is not isolated. He is not alone. The Harvest Bible Church Statement of Faith says, we believe in one triune God, eternally existing in three persons, co-eternal in being, co-identical in nature, co-equal in power and glory. There is fellowship. There is community in the very character of God. And we are made in His image. We are created in God's likeness, to be in rich community with him and others. So friend, when you experience loneliness, it's not because something is wrong with you. Your loneliness is not a sign of abnormality. It's actually a sign of your humanity. You're made in the likeness of God. Your desire to be with other people, now I realize that's that goes the full span, right? For some people, that's a strong desire. For some people, it's, it's much less. But your desire to be with other people, for community, your desire for community, is a God-given part of you. God made you communal. So Paul's prayer is in line with God's will. Paul deeply desired to be with the Christians in Rome. Gospel fellowship is the relationship building between children of God. We're reminded of, again, of the Garden of Eden, how God communed with humanity. But that was broken by the fall. You remember sin entered into the world and death by sin. So sin passed upon all men. But then one day Christ would come and He would die and He would, he would shed His blood. We've, we've celebrated that this morning. We've remembered that this morning. And therefore, because of what Christ has done, 
He has now risen. He's had victory over sin. We can have communion again with our great God. Friend, if you've gathered here with us this morning and you don't have faith in Jesus Christ to reconcile you back to God so that you can have that communion, I invite you today, even right now, to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Christian, pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray repeatedly. Pray constantly. Pray in accordance with God's will for deep, rich, and close relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the will of God for His children. Last week was a unique week. This coming week will bring its own unique challenges. And all of our prayers will, will reveal the priorities of our hearts. The heartbeats of those who know God through faith in Christ is to make Him known in the world. So we give thanks when that happens. We spend, rejoice, we spend time rejoicing in the faith of others. And we diligently pursue relationships that will be mutually edifying for God's children. So pray with thanksgiving for faith because it points to the glory of God as He has rescued fallen humanity. And pray with diligence for fellowship because it points to the glory of God as He has, he has restored communion with His created human beings. May God help us to pray in this direction even this week. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.